We all have bucket lists. As a lifelong sports fan, mine is full of tons of different sporting events and venues, from the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and beyond. However, my greatest bucket list item is something I want to share with the world and fans like me. What if you could attend a home college football game for all 130 and counting FBS programs? Seems crazy, right? Join me, your host, Bobby Wilson, as I take you along for the ride to see all the FBS venues and more. This is the TNT College Football Podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the very next episode of the TNT College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Bobby Wilson. Glad to be back on another Monday night. Hope everyone's doing well. Hope you had a good week and uh, some more interesting uh interesting things going on in the college football world just some interesting things that i've noticed today even uh then i want to throw out uh um something i would like to discuss about the big 10 so we will go through that but first i got to start off with uh, everybody knows who's listened to this before listened to the show before regularly knows i'm a diehard detroit lions fan and uh I am a huge uh, Matthew Stafford fan um, just because of everything he did for our franchise. And I have to give him the biggest congratulations for winning the NFC championship and going to the Super Bowl. Um, This is the first time in my life I will really have a rooting interest in the Super Bowl. Obviously, being a Detroit Lions fan, uh, that has not happened. I was two years old. When the Lions won a playoff game in 1991, the only playoff game that the Detroit Lions have ever won. So hopefully in my <laughs> the next handful of years, I will be able to see something like that happen. But I have to congratulate Matthew Stafford and I'm cheering for the Rams um, to win the Super Bowl. But uh, let's get back to talking about college football. But I had to had to throw that out there just because I, I love Stafford and I love everything that he did in Detroit and um and just he gave us hope for a little while as a franchise just because how great of a player he was but again congratulations to him and go rams Um, but let's let's dive into jim harbaugh um obviously i've uh been critical of him on the show but uh he's getting his second interview with the minnesota vikings And it just so happens that that second interview is going to be on Wednesday, which is National Signing Day. So it's just perplexing that that the the timing of that. But to me, that that clearly says that he's going to be gone. He clearly to me, it says Jim Harbaugh is leaving the University of Michigan and he will more than likely be going to the Minnesota Vikings and good for him. I mean, I'm not. I'm, I'm never going to bash somebody for pursuing a professional opportunity. Um, obviously he had a ton of success. He had a ton of success in the NFL. I mean, he took the 49ers to the Super Bowl. People can say what they want about him as I have, but he's won. And, uh, I feel like he was with the 49ers. He was kind of a scapegoat in the, in the whole Colin Kaepernick situation. Um, but I, I don't feel like he was given a fair, a fair shake there, but nonetheless, I mean, he's done, he's done what he really can do at Michigan, in my opinion. Um, 
Michigan going to the playoff this year, I think it was very apparent how big of a gap there is between the University of Michigan and the University of Georgia and the likes of Georgia and Alabama and uh, like that um, because I don't know if Michigan could have a better team than what they had this past year. I mean, defensively, um, obviously on the line with Hutchinson and Jobo, they're they're not they're obviously losing those two, and they're not gonna you're not gonna find replacements for those guys. I mean, that's those two are all Americans. They're gonna be first round draft picks. I mean, it's it's a uh, those are studs that you're losing. Um, and then just the other issues that that it, that I have pointed out m- numerous times um, with him in the University of Michigan. Um, I I just I, I wish him the best. I do, um, and I and I hope that if he does leave, which I feel is inevitable at this point, but if he does, um, that the next person who comes in, it isn't as big of a media circus as uh, as it was in the beginning of the Jim Harbaugh tenure, which he did a tremendous job circling away from that. And I feel like that's why Michigan had success this year. And in the, in the past couple of years is just because they circled away from being this, this uh, gimmicky media frenzy type program. And it was just, it was refreshing to see that. But uh, I, I, I really have uh, three guys who I feel are, the top level replacements for him. And I'll go, I'll start with three and I'll go to one who I think number one being who I think that should get the job and who, who, what they should do. Um, third, I'm going to say Luke fickle at Cincinnati. Um, I just, I mean, obviously he's had amazing success. Um, I remember a handful of years ago, I want to say it was like 2017 or something like that. When, since it might have been Fickle's first, it was his second year at Cincinnati, I believe. But Cincinnati played at Michigan, and I was at that game at the Big House. And Cincinnati just, I mean, they hung with Michigan for a little while, but Michigan kind of manhandled them. Um, this was before, obviously, before Fickle really turned Cincinnati around. And uh, I mean, obviously, the past couple of years, Cincinnati has been a national uh, contender getting into the playoff this year. And I mean, Fickle is a fantastic coach. Um, I personally feel like the only way he would leave Cincinnati is for Ohio state. Obviously he's an alum and um, a big deal there, but, uh, but I feel like that's, I mean, certainly somebody who Michigan should consider. I mean, he's done just an amazing job at the, at Cincinnati. Uh, number two, um, Obviously, somebody who's been thrown around every time Jim Harbaugh's name gets mentioned for another job, Matt Campbell automatically gets mentioned at Michigan. And Matt Campbell's turnaround of of Iowa State is uh, nothing short of amazing because nobody's ever won at Iowa State, especially consistently. And I I, I will say about Matt Campbell, um, and I think a lot of people would agree with this, I mean, this year they definitely did not live up to expectations at all. Um, I said that they were going to win the big 12. Obviously they weren't close to doing that. Um, so there's a, 
there's a there's a, a gap there so it'll be interesting to see um if he if he did take the Michigan job or if he got the Michigan job what then would transpire there but I mean obviously Matt Campbell can turn programs around and do great things um as he did at Iowa State but I think the number one person Michigan should uh consider is right in house already I I think Michigan just needs to promote offensive coordinator Josh Gaddis um Josh Gaddis um young I mean he's not even 40 years old that's kind of the trend now in uh, in coaching, it seems, um, just to hire younger coaches that can relate to the players. But Josh Gaddis, obviously, uh, he played at Wake Forest. He was drafted in the NFL, played a couple years in the NFL. But uh, his rise through the coaching profession has been pretty, pretty amazing. I mean, he was a GA at North Carolina in 2010, became the wide receivers coach at Western Michigan in 2011, then he made a jump in 2012-2013 to Vanderbilt in the SEC as the wide receivers coach, and he was the offensive recruiting coordinator. Then from 2014 to 2017, goes to Penn State as the passing game coordinator, wide receivers coach, offensive recruiting coordinator. Then in 2018, he makes the jump of all jumps to Alabama as the co-offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach. And then since 2019, he's been the offensive coordinator and wide receivers coach at Michigan. So, I mean, this is somebody who has risen through the coaching ranks significantly and very quickly. Um, but he, he's done a fantastic job um, at Michigan with the offense. Um, just the balance that they had this year was tremendous. Um uh, I, I feel like this year the quarterback situation will be interesting to see how that's how that goes. But uh, um, but I, I just feel like he's done an amazing job. And at this point with National Signing Day being Wednesday, I feel like if you have a guy who's already there, he already knows all the recruits, everything's already in place, uh, I just feel like it's, it's a, a good hire and a good move. And, and it's a guy who's deserving. I mean – Yes, he's young, but he's he's put in the work, and he's. I mean, his, I just read you his resume. I mean, anytime you're in um, a position coach, coordinator at Penn State, Alabama, Michigan, I mean, it's you're you're in the running for head coaching opportunities at that point, and and I think obviously, I think he's very deserving, and. Uh, I think it'd be uh, a very uh, good hire by the University of Michigan. Obviously, time will tell, but as I said before, I feel like if Jim Harbaugh is having his second interview with the Minnesota Vikings on National Signing Day, I think it's safe to say that he is going to be gone. Um, but obviously, I have no inside information there, but I, that's just my opinion. Um, then let's roll into some more Big Ten talk. The, the just the Caleb Williams situation and and I've said before that I feel like it's USC and LSU maybe Miami maybe Georgia but I've said from the beginning that I thought he was going to go to USC but but just in the past week or so just uh some really interesting um uh, interesting things have transpired 
Um, and obviously, I, I'm sure a lot of people have heard of the the major University of Wisconsin connection. Um, just just a crazy, crazy thing uh, that could happen here. And and I never would ever thought that Wisconsin would ever have a shot. But if Wisconsin gets Caleb Williams, holy smokes, something special could happen in Madison. So the whole connection starts Caleb Williams, um, his teammate, or his high school teammate, Dean Ingram, plays at Wisconsin. Dean Ingram's dad, Bobby Ingram, just got the offensive coordinator job at Wisconsin. Um, he worked with Paul Christ at Pittsburgh. Now he's going to be the offensive coordinator at Wisconsin. So then Carl Williams, Caleb's dad, and Bobby Ingram are best friends. So go figure. There's that connection. So not only do you are you high school teammates with a one of the one of the new one of the players, your dad is best friends now with the offensive coordinator, and you have a family friend of Russell Wilson, <laughs> so who obviously was tremendous at Wisconsin. Now, I, obviously, I still feel it's a bit of a long shot. I, I do. I still feel that way. But with with these connections, um, having a high school teammate and good friend, and then the offensive coordinator and your dad are best friends, and then you obviously can call Russell Wilson since he's a family friend and uh, talk about the University of Wisconsin. Um, <clears throat> it's it, it's interesting. Now, Caleb Williams is, I, I've said this many times, he is a special, special talent, and he can do things that are just amazing he he's i mean russell wilson i feel like is a decent comparison i do feel like caleb caleb's faster than russell wilson but uh but they play similar i mean there, there's really good similarities between the two and obviously if caleb williams goes to wisconsin they're going to open up the playbook you would have to imagine um just because they haven't had that type of quarterback since Russell Wilson, or before him, really. Um, but it, it would be amazing if if Caleb Williams ends up at Wisconsin. I, I would say, I, I mean, I'm still going to say USC is the favorite, but I would say Wisconsin is probably second now, I, I, in my opinion. Um, it, it would be really, really interesting to see if, if he ends up at Wisconsin, what the, just, it would be pretty amazing, first of all. But it would be just to really open things up in the Big Ten, and you would have a race like no other. I, it'd be a lot of fun to watch. Obviously, I live in Big Ten country, so I'm, I'm all for it. It'll be fun. But, uh, Obviously, time will tell, and we'll see. I'll get back to the Big Ten um, discussion momentarily. I want to conclude the show with with a with some discussion on the Big Ten, um, with some things I've seen on social media, but also some things I've compiled myself. Um, but um, the ACC released their schedule today, um, finally. Um, but one of the one of the things that 
that I that I noticed and and had to and had to chuckle was uh the University of Virginia putting out their uh their schedule game by game and uh week 11 they play coastal carolina and i'm i'm excited for that one i I would love to have the opportunity to go to that game um at the university of virginia but time will tell we'll see but uh but the university of virginia decides to and you can go to their you can go to the university of virginia football twitter account and see the video that they put out they put a seagull in a box and well, a picture of a seagull, not a real seagull, but, and they put beach chicken. Uh, they wrote, they typed beach chicken out on the paper and, uh, with the seagull and obviously a slap in the face to coastal Carolina. But the worst part was the, whoever runs the Virginia football Twitter account misspelled coastal. They put costal C O S T A L. Um, which for me being a coastal fan and for all my connections within the coastal Carolina program and fans alike, um, set us all off on Twitter. And, uh, we had some fun with that. And, uh, and you know, coastal is going to remember that when they play in November. So looking forward to that, um, that, that game, first of all, that game is going to be a really good game because of the two quarterbacks. Um, Armstrong and McCall, it's just going to be two probably top 10 national quarterbacks there. And uh, everybody knows how I feel about Grayson McCall. I I think he's a Heisman front runner. And and Brandon Armstrong very well could be next year as well. I mean, he put up tremendous numbers this year, and he could do the same thing next year. Now they have to be better than six and six, that's for sure. But I give Virginia credit for scheduling the game. Um, I know a lot of – a lot of teams have ducked Coastal Carolina in the past, and uh, I give Virginia credit for scheduling a three-game series, uh, two in Charlottesville, and then one they're going to go to Conway. I believe it's in 2024, I think. Um, but that that one's going to be awesome. I can't wait for that. But uh, nonetheless, just uh, just a typo from the Virginia football Twitter account set off uh, – the Coastal Carolina fandom and myself included. And let's just say Coastal is going to remember that. And they will make Virginia remember when they played Coastal Carolina in those quote-unquote beach chickens. Uh, next, I want to shift to uh, my weekly discussion of UConn. But I'm going with my partnership with Sidelines UConn. Really, really appreciate that. Um, as always. Um, but I also want to throw in UMass at the same time because both programs rivals, of course, the U series, um, the U rivalry. But one thing that they both are going through an amazing culture shift right now from the previous regimes to what they have now. And they have two coaches now who are just uh, unbelievable when it comes to to that aspect Obviously, you got Jim Mora, who is a former NFL head coach. He's coached at the highest level in college football as well. Um, coached in an NFC championship with the Atlanta Falcons. I mean, he's been there and done that as a football coach. And he is 
as I've, as I've talked about many times already and have had guests on the show talk about it as well already, the culture shift going on at UConn that, that I can speak to because I've, I've witnessed it and I've talked to so many people about it. Um, just the family atmosphere that's been created at the university of Connecticut is it's refreshing to see. And, but I also have to throw UMass in there because Don Brown has done the same thing, just a complete culture shift. Don Brown is, I mean, he coached at UMass in the past. He's an alum, so it means a lot to him. But he is also a guy who is a tremendous football coach. He's been there and done that as a defensive coordinator. He's been all over the place. I remember when he was at Michigan and how great those Michigan defenses were um, at Boston College. Great defenses. Uh, he was at Arizona this year, this past year. And, I mean, he's just he's just a guy who's been there and done that. And he's had tremendous success as a defensive coordinator. And he had great success at UMass when he was there in the past and took him to an FCS national championship game. But uh, just I have to speak to the culture shift for both programs and just how refreshing it is to see for for both programs, for the Northeast region of the United States, for that rivalry. I'm, I'm just glad that I can, as a fan, but also as a, uh, somebody who is a part of the media, I'll say, um, just, and to be a part of this, uh, it's uh, refreshing and exciting to see. But just today, just within the past couple hours, UMass got, um, I, I have to say the best recruit they've ever gotten. I mean, five-star recruit kicker, AJ Venateri, whose dad obviously is going to be a Hall of Famer, um, arguably the greatest kicker of all time. Um, <clears throat> but he committed to UMass today over LSU in Indiana and South Dakota State, where his dad played. But uh, just an amazing get for UMass to be able to get a five-star kicker. I mean, um, hats off to Don Brown and his staff to be able to to be able to pull that off and get him in there. Um, obviously, um, going to be playing a ton from the get-go. And that had to be a selling point over LSU where you go to LSU, you're going to potentially sit behind some people, but you go to UMass and you're, you're going to be the guy. Um, and hats off to him, to the family. I mean, that's a big deal. I mean, you, anytime that you can, um, I mean, get a full ride as a specialist like that is a huge accomplishment, but <clears throat> nonetheless, I mean, great job by UMass and the staff to be able to pull in him and UMass has done a tremendous job recruiting, um, pulling in guys. They've utilized the portal very well and they've just done a tremendous job and I'm really, really excited for the next, uh, UMass UConn game and for the future of that rivalry, just because it's a, it's going in the right direction. I mean, for both programs, um, just again, excited for both fan bases and I'm glad to be a part of it on the UConn side of things. Um, but I have to, I'm going to conclude tonight's episode, um, talking about 
could we have reorganization of the divisions in the Big Ten? That's obviously right now it's the East and West. Um, I think we can all agree that the East East division of the Big Ten is a gauntlet. You have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State just beating each other up. And then the West, it's recently it's been Wisconsin and Iowa. I mean, Minnesota try has been battling. Purdue's been battling. Nebraska, I feel, is going to be better this year. Northwestern obviously has been there before. But I, I'm going to suggest as um, the – as Sidelines College Football account did as well. But I have a couple changes to what uh, to what they put out. But I'm going to suggest a North and South division um, where you break up you break up Ohio State in Michigan. Um, and you, you keep Ohio State and Penn State together, and you keep Michigan and Michigan State together, um, and you have – you guarantee that crossover rivalry game between Michigan and Ohio State, obviously. Um, I, I, I've seen some fans <laughs> suggesting to stop, to stop that, but first off, this is the greatest rivalry in college football. It's not going away. Like, don't – like, let's be logical about this. <laughs> that college football is not going to lose out on that. Um, this, the powers that be are not going to allow that. Um, but to look at the other teams that would be in the north, you have Michigan, Michigan State, um, Minnesota, obviously, Wisconsin, and then thrown in potentially Iowa and Purdue in, in my version. Now, you get a battle with Michigan, Michigan State, and Iowa every year. And then the South, in my, in my opinion, would then be Ohio State, Penn State, Rutgers, Maryland, um, Indiana, Nebraska, and uh, Purdue. So just just some thoughts there for, for me. I, I, I think I think dividing up that east is something that the Big Ten should really, really consider. Um, and, and maybe some more conference expansion will occur that will – lead to something different but uh, we haven't really heard the Big Ten mentioned as much uh, especially this past time around when it came to conference expansion um, I mean I feel like if the Big 12 was gonna go down in flames like we initially thought you would you were thinking maybe Kansas and Iowa State would make the jump to the Big Ten but now it doesn't seem like that's going to be the case um, and who knows? We'll see. Maybe I, I've even said that what if UConn football gets to the level where they could join the Big Ten or ACC? But let's let's talk about my Big Ten scenario here. I feel like dividing up the East, getting 
Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, Penn State, at least two and two on each side. Um, and, and I'm not trying to disregard what Wisconsin, Iowa, Northwestern, and Minnesota have done. And uh, and obviously, if Wisconsin gets Caleb Williams, that's going to change a lot of things. And Nebraska, I feel like, is going to be very improved this year. But I think we all agree that it, it comes down to Ohio State and Michigan and Michigan State and Penn State when it comes to the Big Ten. Like Those are the teams you think of from a national perspective. Um, obviously... Michigan State, Michigan, and Ohio State have made the playoff. Um, no one else has, and it's because no one in the West can win the win the Big Ten Conference championship game. So I, I I just feel like if you're able to to break it down a little better, you have then a North with the likes of say Michigan, Michigan State, Wisconsin, Iowa even Minnesota in there like that, that you're going to have some battles and then your south turns into Ohio State Penn State Rutgers is improving you have Purdue who's improving you have Nebraska who's improving so it's <clears throat> I think I think it becomes a little more even and the battles become a little more uh I think then you could see a crossover title game where one division can certainly compete with the other and uh i i think it's better for the conference that way um again just my opinion i was going off of what uh sidelines college football did but i shifted a couple of the teams that they had um and just to see and again uh feel free to reach out to me uh the the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. I would love to hear your thoughts of a, a shifting Big Ten uh, conference and division perspective. Um, just kind of something I've thought of over the past over the past week or so, and just kind of go from there and just see what you guys think about it. Again, the podcast Twitter account at TNT College Foot One. You can also follow me personally at Coach underscore B Will. Um, Again, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I plan to be back on Thursday night with an amazing guest. Looking forward to that interview. Uh, looking, to, I'll be hopefully releasing that tomorrow, uh, getting that to you guys. And uh, again, thank you so much for listening tonight. Have a good night. God bless.